0: Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody. Beautiful day out there. Good day to come to church. Um, As uh, Lee mentioned, I know there's some folks online. There's some folks in the building. It's good to see the folks here. It's good to know that there's some other folks out there. Uh, As as usual, honored um, beyond words to be here. Happy to be able to share the the good news of the gospel with you. We're in 1 Corinthians still. uh, Last week we... Covered some stuff, and this week it, it's going to be like maybe covering some more of that stuff. Um, and uh, I think it's fine to say, hey, we, uh, things are maybe a little, can't we, didn't we just talk about this? Um, some of the commentaries we use sometimes will, will lump big chunks of scripture like this together and say, this is kind of all about the same thing. Uh, and I don't disagree with that, but I think if Paul feels like he wants to mention something over the course of two or three chapters, maybe we'll mention it over the course of two or three sermons. Uh, to try to drive home in the same manner that Paul was trying to drive home. If somebody says something to you three times, it's uh, very important, generally speaking. So today's uh, sermon is going to be We Are One in the Spirit. We'll be in uh, 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, depending on however you like to say it. The first of the two books of Corinthians. Uh, we'll be doing the entire chapter 3 today. If you've got your Bible, great. Uh, feel free to, 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 to join us, uh, and if not... Uh, You feel free to read along with, uh, with me on the screen. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age... Let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this book. Thank you for this opportunity to study this book, Lord. Thank you for a small group where we get to dissect um, in depth what we what is what is being preached today, uh, to understand it even deeper, Lord. And I pray that as we get into these these books, and there are things that are maybe quite clear, and there are some things that are maybe a little hazy, and some things that we simply don't understand, that we heed Paul's words today. Um, that we we start small. And then we build upon this spiritually in our lives. The Spirit is working and interpreting things for us and changing us so that we can understand more of who God is and what he would have us do, Lord. That this word becomes more powerful as we spend time in it, Lord. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna depend on you for that as we jump in today to study your words. In your son's name that I pray. Amen. All right, it's very rare that I start with basically the same slide as last time. It's not exactly the same, but it is. Paul is not in charge. <laughs> um, if there's anything to take away from this, and, and we talk about Paul as maybe a hero of the Bible in many regards, I think that's fair. He did some incredible work for the Lord. Uh, a lot of the New Testament is due to Paul's uh, participation in what the, what the Lord would have had him do. Um, So I don't want to discredit Paul as a person, but Paul discredits himself a good deal in this chapter. In this book, he's talking about, you guys got to stop following me and start following Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, but in no other manner. Paul is talking about this over and over again. We follow Christ alone. We don't follow Paul. We don't follow Mike or Chris or Apollos or Cephas or Leah, or Emma, or anybody. It's Jesus Christ alone. And if it sounds familiar, like we just talked about this, it should. I said the same thing last week. And it's going to be reiterated over and over and over. Paul is so in love with Christ and what he has done and is doing that it, it almost frustrates him that people start to talk about Paul as some sort of a celebrity at the time. Oh, that's Paul. He's the guy that's planted all these churches. He's the, he's the guy that puts the foundation down. Nobody builds a foundation like him. And here's Paul saying, it's not me, but Christ through me. It's not me, but the Spirit working through me. Yes, I am submitting to the Spirit. I am doing things. And and we'll we'll get some reward for that. He's going to talk about that in this chapter. But it's not me. Don't think for a moment that I want to be like Paul. No, 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 you want to be like Christ. And if there's anything about Paul you want to mimic, it's that which mimics Christ. So he kind of starts this chapter and he talks about spiritual newborns infants in Christ. It's important to know here that his church was saved. I put quotes around that, but just barely. I know people are like, well, either you're saved or you ain't. That's fair. It's fair. Paul's talking to people here who are believers. They are spiritual people. They're, they are in Christ, yes, but they weren't really even aware of what that means, per se. The Spirit has done some work. What Paul's now seeing is um, we need to start doing some work as well. <laughs> you guys need to understand better what you actually believe. I know you believe. I'm not worried about that. We're not talking about people that are lost necessarily, but they're people that are acting lost or at the very least confused about what it means to be in Christ. I'll also say that this is normal and proper. We must grow in our faith. You're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a parable where somebody, I mean, outside of you know Paul's event where somebody is just knocked down literally and all is clear. The tempering of Paul came prior to Christ basically saying, let's go. You're mine now. We're getting to work. He learned a lot. He spent tons of time in the Word. He was a Jewish scholar. He was a very learned individual. He knew a lot of this. He just hadn't put those pieces together until the Holy Spirit changed that for him. But now Paul's talking to people that, and when we talk about this in our small group today, the way that he's talking to them is not that these folks are all very learned individuals, that they come from a long background of studying Judaism and a great understanding of Old Testament theology and how God worked. These folks are effectively babies. They have heard some good news and the spirit has moved in them. And now what Paul's done is move on and expect that, yeah, we're going to continue to build on the foundation I've laid. You're going to understand more. It's normal and proper. We need to grow in our faith. It's a small seed that's planted. A mustard seed. Very tiny. But as a mustard seed in the ground, it can't bear fruit. It has to grow. But to to yell at the mustard seed that it's not doing its job, it's been planted, what's going on? You know, that's silly. Just as silly as ignoring the mustard seed and assume that it's going to do what needs to be done with no involvement. Paul's talking about that here. But... In this case, even now, they're not ready for solid food. And so people may have been offended by that. Well, I am, I know. I'm I'm a follower of Apollos, and I'm ready for solid food. And Paul's saying, um, no. We're ready. Paul's argument is people of the Spirit would not be fighting over this this nonsense. If you're as ready as you say you are, if you're ready to get into the deep stuff, you don't even have the fundamentals down. You can't make a layup, and you're out here shooting half-court shots. That makes no sense. Humans do that stuff. Humans like to fight and, and compete and, and, and build factions and go to war with each other. But spiritual people oughtn't do this. We have no business doing this. We all sit under one, one king. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. It's not the elders or whomever shows up tomorrow. We are servants of Jesus Christ. His ordinances are the ones that matter, not ours. Now, there are things that a church has to do in Paul's time and our time for legal reasons. We have to have a constitution. We have to have an organization document. And it has to cover some basic tenets of earthly organization. But none of that transcends the Bible's commandments for running a church. None of it does. And if it does, we should vivisect it out. It doesn't belong in there. What Paul's saying is, you know, y'all hear what you wanted to hear. And you said, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. But now you've gone back to the old ways where you're going to build little camps and here's what we do and I like this and he chooses that and I don't care for them. In the meantime, you're not building anything for Christ anymore and you're not proclaiming the word. You're wasting too much time arguing. For when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? I love those two words, merely human. That's the third time we've read that today. If nothing else sticks as we leave, contemplate merely human. There's something more that's expected. Paul is expecting something more here. Merely human, any idiot human could get in a fight over who's, what one leadership person said about another leadership, but we could do this all day. That's, that, that's not what we're here to do. That's merely human. We're supposed to be better than that. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in you, should be changing this game up. You should be pursuing Christ, ignoring the things that Paul and Apollo said, i got to get to work. I got things to do. Know your role. Paul, who plants, in his example here. Apollos, who waters. God, who gives the growth. A, Paul, B, Apollo, C, God. Which one of those worthy of worship? C, answer C, God. Okay, check your work. We're not going to trade and grade. But the answer is God. Now, Paul's saying this, and we're all not like, well, that's silly. Paul wrote it. To people who he thinks should know full well that God's the one that's worthy of worship. But you lose sight of that. We lose sight of that. Yes, I love God. He's got my whole heart and I serve Christ with everything that I am until something happens in politics that I don't like and then it's clobbering time. Who do I, whose throat do I put my hands around to get this fixed? This won't stand. I'm going to war over this issue or that issue and then after all this is fixed, then I'll get back to Christ. That's a great ploy to keep everybody from doing the work of Christ. Paul's well aware of this. He's seen it his whole life. He used to be one of those people that showed up to drive wedges, execute Christians, keep them on the run, stop the growth, thwart the work of Christ. Paul now realizes, number one, that was foolishness. I could never do that. But the enemy will not stop trying to, so let us as believers not contribute to that. Let us not as believers contribute to division and having the church torn asunder by little petty things and tiny disagreements that aren't substantive and don't have anything to do with the work of Christ. The planner, the waterers, nobodies. Let's be frank, God could do that too if he chose. And Paul talks about that here. God chose him to do this. He could have chose somebody else. Spoiler alert, he did. He's continued to do so. There are people out there planning churches, laying foundations every bit. as good as Paul's foundations. Why? Because that foundation is Jesus Christ. There are people today that are planting churches on the name of Jesus Christ and nothing more. That's the same foundation. You don't need to go look for the maker's mark of Paul. Oh, this is a Pauline foundation. Oh, this is like really Jesus Christ. That other one over there is like a 2010 Jesus Christ, and that won't hold up. No, same Christ, same foundation. That's what Paul's talking about. It's not about Paul. The maker's mark on the foundation, if it's Paul get out paul did that one in error. if it says jesus christ son of the living god there's that's the one that's where you want to build your house and what he's saying is y'all have ignored the foundation of jesus christ and you've you've made a false foundation and dedicated it to me and one for apollos and you're spending your time there this is what apollo said one of us don't do that if you're doing the work of god and you've been given a role and you're doing that there's good things that come from you and this is the other encouragement from paul the planner and the water are together in their work they have to work together One must plant, one must water. It's a team effort. And they will receive rewards for their efforts. This is pretty great news. It's not like we do what we do for the rewards, but it's really cool that we're going to be rewarded for the things that we do that Christ has commanded us to do. It's not extra credit. It's just providence from God. I'm doing exactly what I was called to do, but yet I'm going to be rewarded for this. It's a good reminder for us to say, yeah, the work that I do is because I love Christ, but... How much does He love us back to reward us for the thing that we should be doing out of the fullness of the overflowing of our heart? That's just—it's exceptionally good. You want some more examples? Farming's not your cup of tea. How about construction? Paul kind of pivots, kind of mid verse, the metaphor. He's talking about farming, and all of a sudden he's like, "Or buildings, right?" I want to be really clear: these these metaphors, and I'm a metaphor guy. I think I've said it before. I love them. All these examples are designed us are designed to help us understand. There's some complex things here. These ideas are, are difficult to talk about without relating them to something in the natural world. But they don't fully illustrate the Christian life. Nothing is going to compare to exactly how spirituality works, but it's close. It's a great example. We know it is because God chose to use it. But even though we, we, we talk about buildings or we talk about fields, there is some idea that at some point the building that we're constructing, the field, the plants that are growing in the field become alive and then become farmers themselves now scattering more fields we don't grow humans in fields that's not how that works but it's the best we've got so i don't want to get too lost in the metaphor where we we dive deep way more than what the Bible's saying well technically is there a plant that could die what if the plant itself has an infection that's not what we're talking about here we'll keep it somewhat simple the fundamental thing here is it's all from god all of it from god paul's a master builder because god gifted slash Yoked him with this. Now, if you say, yoke, and Paul doesn't say that. He says it's grace, and I completely agree. I'm not arguing with Paul about this. But there were times, and you could read it in Paul's own words, that this was not a picnic. This wasn't like, man, lucky me, walking around the foundation guy. I'm building foundations everywhere. My life is a dream. It's all rosy, and I'm loving it. No, Paul suffered a lot. Now, he knows the grace is abounding, and that he's able to suffer For Christ, he'll do it willingly, he'll do it unto death, and he did. But it's but but this wasn't just a gift, right? It wasn't just a hundred percent what we would perceive as a gift. Easy street, come join our church. We're gonna go out there and lay foundations for Jesus Christ, and we're never gonna suffer on this world again. Hit the bricks that what the foundation they're talking about is not the foundation Paul's talking about. The work we do for Christ may be construed by the world as folly or suffering. Why would you subject yourself to that? That's silly. You should flee from suffering. I disagree. This is what the spirit's having me do. I'm putting down fine stones. There is but one foundation, and it's not of Paul, just through Paul. Paul did build the foundation, but he did it rightly. It wasn't Paul's special foundation, but Paul's secret mix of concrete. It's not what's happening. It's the same foundation that we lay today, Jesus Christ. And moreover, we see Paul, at least to me, not so subtle of a warning, that if anyone dares build a foundation other than Christ, beware. <laughs> um, number one, it's a, it's a really bad idea to do so. Uh, but Paul basically says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If it's not Jesus Christ, it's no foundation at all. You can't just dig a hole and say, that's a foundation, right? Using the building idea, there's code that people, learned individuals, the wisdom of man, and once again, these are examples, have spelled out to say, this is the kind of foundation you need for a given type of structure. And if you want to build a church, Christ describes the foundation that he needs. If there's anything else other than Christ, even though it looks very clever, it looks a lot like Christ. It's Christ plus an additive to make Christ even more powerful in your life. That is not a foundation. That will crumble and fall as if it were walls or worse, nothing at all. That's the warning. There is no foundation. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So if someone claims they've got a foundation other than Christ, it's no different than saying, I kind of dug my own foundation, did it myself, with some things I had out in the shed. Don't go in that building. It's liable to collapse and kill you. Now, can we build it? Yes, we can. I don't know if anyone's ever watched Bob the Builder, but it's from that show. 1 Corinthians 3.2. Now, if anyone builds a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, notice the change in quality from precious stones to wood to hay to straw. Paul's explaining here that our efforts in Christ matter. Somehow, divinely, mysteriously, they matter. We are allowed to participate in this in some divine, mysterious way And what we do and the manner in which we do it matters. We're going to get rewarded for it or we're going to suffer a loss for it. Now, this is not uh, go to heaven, go to hell. That's handled. This is I'm in. I agree. The Spirit's inside me. I want to do some work. What kind of work do I want to do? I'm still participating in this. I don't become an automaton because I was saved. We don't just hover around and shoot Jesus lightning bolts at people and raise structures up and you're all say wham, and you're healed. There are people that claim to do that. They're liars. The rest of us participate in this just as Paul did. There's wins. There's losses. There's good. There's bad. There's joy. There's suffering. But it's all for Christ. The funnel always leads back down to that one place. All sits down on that foundation of Jesus Christ. It does matter what we do. If somebody tells you it doesn't matter, You know, you yourself preached the doctrine of election. If they're elect, then they're elect. I can't dissuade it. We can't falter. They will be saved. Absolutely. The question still remains is, who's that? I don't know. Talk about this in our small group today. We preach. We build. We do what we were called to do because God's going to do what he chose to do through the work that we do. That's why we gather. That's why we listen. That's why we participate. That's why we reach out. Why we share the good news. Why we encourage others. Why we pray. We do the things God told us to do because that's what God wants us to do. And through that, he's going to do extraordinary things. Not because of us, but because of him. Paul's talking to an extraordinary church and they're struggling in the same way. They want to do things a little bit easier to understand. And Paul talks about here, a trial by fire. Now, I want to reiterate, these are the works that are being tested, not us. If you're saved, you're saved. You're in. But the works that we do Paul says it's going to be tested with fire. It's a big deal, so let's not just skip over it. These sorts of works aren't sin, but the work for Christ in his name. So if we're going to get out there and say, hey, I'm I'm going to start something. I'm going to to reach the lost for Christ. I'm going to do something. Like, okay, let's get together. Let's pray about it. Well, what we need are people to uh, meet at the Essentials Pantry. We're going to pray over these things. We're going to pray with them. We're going to give them the stuff that they need, and we're going to do this in Christ's name. Okay, sounds good. Well, I'll commit to one a year, and I can't be there early, and I have to leave early. Okay, that's some work for Christ. Now, the question to you is, is that, if we're to go to go, go look at the examples, is that gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw? <clears throat> good question. For some people, that might be gold. I'm working three jobs. I have an infirm parent I have to care for. I just don't have time at all to do it. I'll be bathing you in prayer. I'll do the most that I can, but Sundays are when we have to go to some doctor, so I can only do one, uh, one a year or one every three months. It's just uh, uh, until something else gives. This is the best I can do. Okay, it's gold. But Paul's not saying here's the list of gold offerings. Here's it's about what you're going to do. You're going to be in prayer. You're going to be seeking the Spirit. What can I do to get plugged in? Is it visiting somebody that's sick? Is it writing letters to people I haven't heard from folks? Is it inviting somebody to church? Is it going over and taking my neighbor a you know a cold drink? When I see them mowing their yard, hey, I just noticed your yard's a, you know, looks like you're sweating to death out here, and I thought maybe you could use a drink, and that's something. You doing it for Christ or you're doing it for yourself? I just want them to like me. I want people to think that I'm a good person. Ugh, trouble. That's trouble. But Paul's teaching us here that the quality of our offerings, the things that we do for Christ, matter and that we'll be rewarded accordingly. When we go back in the Old Testament, we see things like first fruits and tithing and the, the first 10%. And all of that, right, was designed to once again point to Christ. That when it comes to the things that we do for Christ, for his name, for, for the church that we believe is the church of Jesus, that we need to be giving to that church in accordance with what's been given to us. The best that we've got. Not necessarily everything that we've got every time we show up, but if you're going to commit to do something for Jesus, what Paul's saying is be careful that you don't have a wonderful foundation and you build a house made out of garbage. Do your best for Christ. I think we'd all agree that building a straw house on a solid foundation is not wise. Great foundation, flimsy straw house. First stiff breeze, uh, hard rainstorm, all of it gets knocked down. It's no house at all. Building something that looks solid is not wise. This is a great one that I think we see a lot of today. see a lot of really fancy, well-to-do looking lives, offerings for Christ. But in reality, it's about the appearance. Let's do the minimum amount of work so that it looks like we've done an extraordinary amount of work. We should invest in our works and build with the best we've got. Why? Because that's what Christ, our Savior, has commanded us to do. It's what Paul's talking about. These works don't save us. These are not, He's not talking to folks who are like, I want to know how to get to heaven. All right, step one, start building good things for Christ. And if they're good enough, you'll get into heaven. That is a lie. That's what a lot of people are doing right now. They've got no foundation of Jesus. They've built their own foundation. And they're standing things up like a house of cards Trying to get it good and high. That looks pretty good. I've added a fourth room, all for Christ-ish, right? Now, what do you think, Jesus? He's going to say, I don't know. any. This isn't even my building. It's not even on my name. This is all in your name. This is all for you. Well, no, 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 no. It's for you. I said, Lord, Lord. (laughs) Eh, Out of here, goat. Hit it. We're done. Paul's saying, first, get a foundation. That's preeminent to this. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Yes. Boom. Foundation. Now, Paul, what do we do? What they're doing is just walk around the foundation yelling at each other. No, get to work. We've got to turn. We've got to build up a bit. We've got to build this thing. We've got to tend to the field. The harvest is huge. The workers are few. we got stuff to do for Christ. We're not just going to sit here and get on a hamster wheel for Jesus. That's all we're called to do. Invest in our works. Build with the best we've got on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Not because we want to be rewarded, but because we understand this is what Christ did for us. Christ on the cross did the, built the best work of all on the most solid foundation of all. Christ's structures will never be toppled. The sacrifice He made, the sin debt He paid for, what He did for humanity, the example He set of working for other people for the glory of God. All we're doing is copying a pittance of what our Savior did. Why? For Him. Why? For God. but beware those that seek to destroy. It's unwise to tear down that which God has built. The church, of course, right? To tear down a church is bad, but it's not the building that matters. It's the people. And there's two things that will start to happen. You get people within that want to start infighting, and they like the infighting, and they want to be in charge of the infighting, and this is my faction. I've built a faction that's going to war with the other factions. I like to argue about whatever. Paul's saying, knock that off. God won't stand for it, so do not do it. Right? Woe to him. I mean, he basically (laughs) calls out uh, death. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. (laughs) Well, that seems pretty succinct. So lay off temple destruction, right? If you're getting after Christians and you're getting after the work that they do, the temples that are them, the Holy Spirit's within them, and you're destroying them, that's really, really silly. Now it seems like, today, well, we wouldn't do that. Oh, but we do. I mean, we in America aren't killing other Christians necessarily, but in other places, this has happened countless times. You don't believe as I believe? Well, then it's the right thing to do. Is If this has escalated to war, now it's going to come to killing. I'm going to kill those that believe differently than I. There's other religions where this is just the way it goes all the time. Yeah, we're just, they, they're so fundamentally at odds with me that my call is to destroy them. That is not our call. If people are in Christ, but they don't necessarily agree with everything that we agree with or whatever, so be it. Don't go to war over that stuff. Let's focus on building our stuff up. If their foundation was shaky or rocky or Jesus and they say, I'm striking this, I'm building a new foundation based on what I see you doing, then glory to God. They're going to be able to start their foundation and maybe even grow from there because they know a lot of good things, kind of like what Paul's talked about in some other areas. But sometimes we're going to talk to people who don't know anything. And we want to make sure that the foundation that we lay and the things that we build are born of Christ's work in us, not our own wisdom. One last thing. All you smart guys, you all need Jesus. Wisdom of this world is tempting, but it is folly in God's eyes. As somebody that really treasures in many regards the wisdom of this world, sadly, these sorts of things cut me right to the core. I feel like I'm a kind of a learned guy and I understand a lot of things and I think all of it's meaningless. We talked about this in a small group as well. I mean, who knows what's going to happen at the end of this, but it may, it may amount literally to nothing at all. It's useful today for things that aren't necessarily of Christ, how I could do plumbing or change the oil or whatever else. And I'll say that I could do that to the glory of Christ, but is he being glorified by that work? I just don't know. Do we need to do it? Yes, we do. But if we're doing that, and that's what we're leaning on, if I'm leaning on my ability to do all these things in the world, I'm in big trouble. Let's do them. But through those things, let's pray for God to give me opportunities. A neighbor sees me changing my oil and says, I've never changed my own oil. Yeah, I haven't done it for a long time. Let's sit down. Okay, well, conversation strikes up. and Now, how long you lived here? This Sunday? Oh, yeah, I go to church. Oh, that church over there. Yeah, yeah, I've been in church in 10 years. I've always found it real stodgy, and I never liked it. Well, come visit, and all of a sudden, you never know where that conversation goes. I've built something for Christ on the foundation of Christ with the best that I've got. Use it for Jesus. It doesn't mean we just ignore all knowledge. There's no sense in that, right? Uh, this kind of oblivion leads to trouble where people ignore the things that science and, the, and, and medicine could do to benefit us. But we don't rely on it for salvation. We don't trade Christ in for a drug that's going to treat cancer. We take the drug that's going to treat cancer, and we take it thinking, Christ, if it be your will, this will sustain me longer so I can preach you more. Oh, well, you're going to suffer. That's fine. It suffers Christ to die as gain. I can't lose, but... I believe this is what I'm going to do so that I can preserve my life, take care of the things I need to take care of while still proclaiming Christ. Can you take chemotherapy in the name of Christ? I think you can do that. I think you could do everything minus sin in the name of Christ. And I think the danger is if we start taking the things of this world and we promote them to salvation or we, de- we, we demote them errantly to sin, it, it, it tarnishes our witness. We've now done something that isn't the foundation of Christ. We've declared something that the Bible didn't. And that's now put a wall, a doctrine of man. We think this is sin. Well, then you're over there in sin based on our declaration as a body of Christ. They look at the Bible and say, I don't see that here. I don't see it at all. Doesn't matter. We declared it. The wisdom that refutes God's word must be ignored. There's a lot of this out there. There's tons of wisdom right now that knows better than God. It's nonsense. Nonsense. Now, if you think, well, I don't know about that. There's some wisdom I think it transcends the word. It, it's, it takes the Bible that doesn't speak of it, and we understand it. Great, that's exactly why we gather as a church to study together. We don't have to make all these decisions ourselves. We can talk, do research, come to conclusions, and make sure that they're biblically sound. And then Paul ends where he begins. There's no boasting in men. You've got everything you need. But I tell you what, church, if you don't hear anything else I say today, the ending of this, cha- I just, I love it so much. Everything is yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That's how you end a letter. Everything is yours. I mean, what more do you want? Everything? That's a lot. Everything. I don't, I don't, have, I don't feel like I have everything. But you do. What are we going to do about that? Why do I feel like I'm working so hard for things in life if I have everything? That tells you something about what we work so hard for. (laughs) We work so hard for things that I don't think Paul even counts as part of the calculus of salvation. We have everything. Do you have Jesus Christ? Do you have the Word of God? Yeah. How about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, that's one, two, that's everything. Well, I don't have a house, don't need it. You have everything you need. You don't need a house. You don't need working legs. You don't need a car. You don't need that. We want that. We desire it. We can use it for the glory of God, but you don't need it. There's a real awesome way to capstone this letter with kind of taking stock of where God has put me. I'm capable of building a unbelievably firm foundation and start putting things on here made of gold and silver and precious stones wherever I am, with whatever I'm capable of doing. So what do we do? How do we do it? Talk about three steps here. We grow in Christ. And then we build our best with our best. And we always lean on God's Word. Always. Always. Grow in Christ. Well, you're in the right place. So if you don't know Christ, then you can't grow in Christ. Obviously, the first step here would be to to accept Christ uh, as your Savior and say, I want to grow in Him. I believe this is true. Let's go. But this is a great place. This church is a great place to grow in Christ. We take time to learn about our salvation. Uh, We read this already, but in, in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling I mean, that's, it is. It's kind of like, what does that mean? Am I scared of understanding what my salvation is? No, the, the notion is, the more you understand about God, the harder it is to believe that he would save one of us. I, the more I understand about God, the further he, I understand he has to go to save me. I am a wretch. Why would God save me? Why would he do that? It's terrifying, and, it, and there's trembling, and I, I don't understand it. And I know I'm not worthy of it, but yet God bestows it on me. He's going to count me as his son. He looks at me, and he sees Jesus. Understanding the grace of God gives us the right perspective, and we understand God's grace better as we grow, and we study, and we learn. We start to, to, to piece together. We transition from milk to meat. And now we're spending time digesting this for longer, and it's more substantive, and it sticks with us quicker or it sticks with us for a longer time, right? We're now able to, to to process things that we couldn't before, understand those things, and help other people prepare meat when they're ready. But the more we understand about God, the, the easier it is for us to be able to understand the, the, the workings that by, by which He chose to save us is incredible, it's miraculous, indescribable, all those words. And then once we've done that, once we've begun to understand and we're ready, there's a foundation here, and it's time to start contributing. We're going to build. We've got work to do. We want to build our best with our best. Once again, it's not a matter of being saved. This is done at this point. <clears throat> the foundation is there. But this is about giving God all glory. We do the best that we can do for His kingdom. And we do that best work using our best materials. We don't, we don't use all of our intellect for the world and then phone it in on Sunday mornings with our arms up and a couple yawns and this, that, and the other. And like, well, I went to church. You know, I did it. There, I put a hay bale on the foundation, right? 20, 30 more of those and I'll have a wall. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Take your skill set. Take the things that God has given to you. Study. As you grow in Christ, you start to find these spiritual gifts manifesting. This happens all the time. This isn't, this isn't a, some sort of weird incantation. This is just the way the Spirit works. We don't say specific words and then get gifts. We just learn. We read the Word. We pray and study together. And we're thoughtful. And, we're, and we're, we approach God in prayer. And we say, I'm confused by this, not the other. But it's starting to illumine me. And, and all of a sudden, like, whoop, I, uh, I'm suddenly able to be more caring than I've ever been before. Suddenly I have this passion to go talk to people that don't have a home and minister to them and care for them and need, meet their needs. It's something that's burning within me. It wasn't there three weeks ago. It's here now. I used to have real trouble communicating things with clarity. But somehow I'm able to communicate the gospel very clearly. And if you don't believe me, talk to anybody that's ever been on the mission field. You'll hear unbelievable tales of people talking to people in other countries in what they believe to be broken Spanish or broken German or whatever. And suddenly it's all very clear and they come to understand Christ through that. How? It's a spiritual gift. There's no other explanation for it. People don't manifest languages naturally, but they do it supernaturally. But it doesn't come from saying, Lord, I'm getting ready to go. Hand me the book of how to summon the Holy Spirit for German translation. That's not what I'm talking about. This is about growth in Christ. And when we see Christ and the Holy Spirit start to manifest things in us that aren't of us, that's what we take right back to the altar. How can I use this new thing for you, Christ? How can I build upon the foundation so that I can reach more people for you? But always lean on God's Word. I can tell you this much. The world will not relent in its hatred of God. It's not going to get better. There isn't going to be some mo- moment where everybody just says, you know what? There is one God, and it's the God of the Bible, and His Son is Christ, and He died on the cross. And we're all in. The whole world, simultaneously, we're all in. Now, they're all, every knee is going to bow eventually. Some are going to bow in reverence. Others are going to bow in, under the, the, the firm hand of a judge, Right? But they're not going to relent. The world's not going to back off. So much wisdom will pervert the gospel. There's a reason that Paul's telling them not to lean on this stuff. Be careful of your wisdom. That stuff is dangerous. We start to sprinkle our wisdom in there. Well, what, what, what Paul really meant when he quoted Isaiah was this and that and the other. When if you, and then if we go there, now I can take that over to here. And then this really is saying this. And then to me, this is also saying this, and now basically I can do whatever I want because I've called myself an apostle, and all things are good. We just studied that in Roman. Uh, so I think I'm covered. Careful. Very, very careful with those sorts of things. If you take an idea, this is something that I found really intriguing in my study. There'll be somebody on the news or something you'll see today, and someone will say, we, we, we've got this good idea about this, that, and the other. Some, and other people are like, oh, that sounds kind of heretical. Inevitably, somebody will say, actually, that exact thing was brought up in 800 AD and at that time was decided by a council of people with the following arguments that it was a heresy, officially. And we don't really have the official board of heresy anymore or whatever, but all that stuff's been documented. All these great, interesting ideas of a way to interpret the Bible, it's incredible how many of them have already come up and were stopped by people that said, that's not what the word says. Woe to the men and women who believe that. And many people said, ah, it's a good point, it's a good point, we'll stop. And it gets quiet for a while and everybody forgets about the heresy. And we bring up another heresy. Well, hey, I got a new one. Like, that's not a new one. That's the same old heresy with, a, you know, you put some new, you glued some glitter to it or something, right? But it's, it's still really bad. The world will keep doing this over and over and over and over. Like we've said it before, but the best way to recognize counterfeit is to be familiar with the real thing. Studying heresies is not going to help you detect heresies. Studying the gospel of Christ will. When somebody comes up with something, you're like, hmm, never had that feeling where somebody says, listen to this, I've got a great idea. And as we're talking there you, you're like, well, like I, if, I, if I get on this roof and I go fast enough, at some degree of speed, my body can become an airfoil enough to coast me to the ground. Well, technically, but it's an extreme speed that you can't achieve. Now I think I can do it. Please don't jump off the roof, right? Now, that's the wisdom of man. But that sort of thing is what we need to be doing when it comes to gospel conversations. We need to understand enough about the gospel, the the, the fundamentals of the gospel, how the gospel works, what Christ is talking about. When we hear somebody saying, I think I'm being called to jump off a roof spiritually that we say, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's what God's called us to do. That sounds like something reckless and God's not reckless. I don't care who sings about it. So don't do that. The more we lean on God's wisdom, the better. At the end of the day, we want to spend time in the word, leaning on God's word for everything. Don't lean on God's word necessarily to do your taxes in their entirety, but lean on God's word when you set out to do your taxes. I could say that comfortably. When you sit down to fill out that form or talk to your tax professional or whatever, do that knowing that this is what I do this in the name of Christ, as I believe I was commanded to do in the Bible. This is right for me to do so, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. This is what I'm going to do. Not the Bible's my book on tax codes and since it doesn't say anything, I won't pay them. That is exactly the kind of stuff that comes in in the wisdom of man. Maybe what they're saying is if it's not the Bible, we don't care about it. No, that's not the truth. We have to participate in this world, but we're in it and not of it. And if we lean on God's word and we work to do the best for Christ with the best that we are, and we're constantly circling back and just reiterating these three points over and over and over again, grow, build, lean, grow, build, lean. If you do those three things for the rest of your life, it is going to be a really, really fulfilling life. I would, you could count on that. Take that to the bank. So call to action. Surrender your life to Christ. If you don't know who Jesus is, if all this sounds great, but you don't even know where to start, that's where you start. I'm not going to save you. Nobody in this church is going to be able to do that. That's the Spirit's job. It's the Spirit's time that we preach this word knowing that there's somebody out there that's going to hear this at the right time. If today's your right time, let us know. If you're here today and you want to confess Christ for the first time, come on up. If you're online and you want to talk about this with somebody, let us know. Shoot us a message. After that, we're going to spend time in the Word, local body of believers. It's a great place to do that. You can spend all the time you like by yourself. Absolutely do it. There's not a thing wrong with that. I don't mean to say you have to only study here. But when you start getting two people or two or three or five people together to, to study the Word... You start to get some great perspective, right? The Spirit's moving in in new and interesting ways as people think of things or ask questions. Maybe you're thinking in your head that you couldn't even put into a question but you'd like an answer to. After that, contribute to the work of Christ through that church. If you're looking for a church and a place where you can grow and contribute, we'd love to have you. And then that last bullet is to spread the good news beyond that body. Building, ultimately building new churches. Our goal isn't to just get a whole bunch of people to believe in Jesus and then freeze in time with their card punched to go to heaven. There's a lot of churches in America that are doing that, and it's kind of catching on worldwide. You just get your punch and you go about your life as you see fit. And Maybe there's time to get back to church, but I'm pretty busy. Our goal is to be working. As we build these things up, as we tend the field and new Christians are grown and the seed manifests in our lives and suddenly I've got a new... Now they take up their implements and they go farming too. But it's important that we teach one another what what the Bible teaches us about how the kingdom should grow, not of our own wisdom, but at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Awesome to be able to study your word. Thankful to be able to study it in a a country where we don't have people kicking down the door and threatening to, to do us harm. And we can do that. We, can, we don't have to worry about that sort of thing here, Lord, but we know there's people worldwide that are doing what we're doing despite that, Lord. And I, I pray a special blessing for those that are, are, are continuing to build with their best in an area where people are actively seeking to destroy the foundation of their building by destroying them, Lord. And I'm thankful that as, as, as your elect people, Lord, that we don't have to worry about the world ever stopping you. Uh, you will stop the world, not the other way around. But Lord, we are humbled and, and uh, thankful to be able to serve you in whatever capacity we can, Lord. And I pray as we, we decide we want to serve you more and we pursue you and your word more and we study more, Lord, that you will, I don't know, Im, 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 imbue us deeper with your spirit. Begin to carve away those things that are taking, taking the best of us and giving it to things that aren't you that we can dedicate more of ourselves to your work based on the good work that you've already done in us, Lord. We don't seek to save ourselves for our good work, but we seek to glorify you through the good works that came from you saving us. Thank you.